The werewolf is a mythological animal and the subject of many stories throughout the world, and more than a few nightmares. Werewolves are, according to some legends, people who morph into vicious, powerful wolves. Others are a mutant combination of human and wolf, but all are bloodthirsty beasts who cannot control their lust for killing people and animals. From bards and brawlers, this is Studies in Shadow. Know what you fear. And welcome back to Studies in Shadow. I am your host, Jack Rogers, and as always, I am joined by my fantabulous co-host, Noah Bazoo. Say hi. We're back, folks. It's been a long hiatus, but we return like by P. The, Diddy, like Gandalf. By the, point, <laughs> by the point that we are recording this episode, we still haven't released the last one. We are so behind. But Gandalf. we're so sorry. Things like are just P. so Diddy. crazy. Things are so crazy right now. Noah, are where crazy. are you right now? I'm in Idaho again, so... He moved to Idaho, folks. Since the last recording of the last episode, which you'll no doubt hear before this, the Dyer Lane episode, we did that in California, and since then... That was over a month ago. Over yeah, over a month, a month ago. ago, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a, that was a banger episode, though, so it's okay that it's taken bad, so long. Bad podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah. Bad. But like Not with that, we time. we moved. Me and Samantha moved. We had the most awful drive, fifteen hours from California to Idaho through mountains and ice and darkness. One of the most anxiety filled days of my life. You should have and listened to an audiobook, man. I did. I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast the whole time. That's not an audio. <laughs> no, I know, but I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast, just listening to things. You gotta listen to like Wheel of Time series or something. Those books are hecka long. Yeah. But yeah, no, so that with school starting, getting new jobs, just things have been wild. And I do apologize for the delay in the episodes, but we're back okay. better than ever. It's okay. No, I forgive you. I, I And I recognize that it's entirely your fault and not my fault at all for not editing it forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't busy. <laughs> yeah, no, you were really busy too. Was I? I can't even remember what I was doing that I couldn't edit the episode. I think it was just work and just being tired. I just work relationships. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Get home after work. Be like, I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> so, but the story behind us doing this episode is actually pretty neat. Uh, Noah came and he was like, hey, uh, why don't we do one on werewolves? And I had to do a mental check like. We've already done that, right? Yeah, I thought the same thing. There's no way we haven't already done that. (laughs) But we haven't. But we haven't. And that's literally... We're in season three. And we we haven't done werewolves. We did vampires, but not werewolves. I was literally saying this before we started recording. I was like, I gotta say this. Like, of all the creepy crawler, monster, myth, urban, legend, whatever you want to call it, we literally missed one of the most popular ones until now, which may or may not have been planned, it wasn't. But <laughs> here we are. We we've done we've done vampires, we've done zombies, we've done witches, we've done you know things that are in the sea and sing. Oh yeah, 
That's good stuff. Um, but we haven't done werewolves, which just, it baffles me because that seems like such an obvious one, which is yeah. why I think we missed it is because obviously when we started this show, it was like, okay, let's go for all the obvious stuff first. And then we started going deeper and deeper and deeper into stuff that's less and less common. Yes. We forgot, we forgot Kevin at home, Kevin the werewolf. He was home alone. <laughs> we here water? we are going on to seasons two and three, totally forgetting that he exists. All the Twilight fans are like, Team Edward, but what about Team Jacob? Sorry, guys. We just totally missed him. We, we totally forgot. But yeah, I mean, here, here we are. Voluntarily <laughs> forgot. So yeah. Noah, do you want to start us off with some uh, lycanthropy? Lycan- First of all, I don't know how to say this word. Lyca- I know it's like lycanthrope. Lycanthropy? Lycanthropy? Lyca- it's lycanthropy. I listened to a person talk about it online. Lycanthropy. Okay. Lycanthropy. Because it's called a lycanthropy. What else is it like? Uh, you said hairy. it's lycanthropy. What else is it like? Like. Dumb joke. Sorry. Continue. I was like, I don't know what to go with this. <laughs> no, it's just like, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, so, it's it's unclear as to where, at least from what I could find on, uh, I love when I can find things on National Geographic. That is the the best kind of area to find facts from. It's just it's the best but even through that, it's unclear as to where werewolves' legend originated. Some scholars believe that werewolves made their debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, actually, the oldest known Western prose, when Gilgamesh uh, jitted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. And that's one of the first ever recorded instances of somebody transforming into a wolf of some kind. So, mm. kind of interesting. You'd think that with that, I mean, I guess with creature legend myth things that are like that it's kind of hard to pinpoint a, a where when and how it started from but oh, werewolf yeah that's kind of what when i was wolf and how wolf. how wolf yeah uh werewolves made another early appearance in greek mythology with the legend of the like lycanon i know it lycan but it's king lycan l-y-c-a-o-n king lycan like oh, okay you know According like lycanthropy like yeah <laughs> According to the legend, Lycaon, the son of Pelasgus, angered Spell the god P E L A S G U S Pelasgus. 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 I don't know. When he angered the god Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy, as punishment, the enraged Zeus turned. Lycaon and his sons into wolves. So that's another instance of it. So there's actually several uh, variations of that story. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them... Yeah, so, I mean, you gotta love Greek mythology. So first off, (laughs) Zeus does not like child sacrifice, right? He's he's pro-child. Which surprises Um, me. Why? He's good at making children with every human woman he lays his eyes on. I mean, he helped um, tied Prometheus down. He did a bunch of other awful things. I just didn't think Yeah, but Prometheus wasn't be. a child. I know, but I just thought of all the things he's done, he wouldn't really be that big of... He wouldn't be like, oh, spare the kids. So I was <laughs> And then he's like, stuff changes when you become a dad. Um, <laughs> I got a soft spot for kids. Um, I don't know why Zeus is a trucker, but... He doesn't like child sacrifice, and so he disguised himself as just, like, a a noble 
and wanted to see if Lycane was being a good king. Lycane caught on and he started suspecting that it might be Zeus. And so he was like, well, I'm going to do something. And if Zeus, if it's really Zeus, he'll be able to know what's up. And so the stories vary. They say he either like sacrificed just like a random child, but he also had 50 sons. And so it wouldn't be terribly far-fetched to say he just <laughs> come here little timmy come here <laughs> whack um the only non-greek name <laughs> come here timotheus <laughs> Tim- timotheus timotheus um, so yeah he uh he so the story goes he either cannibalized one of his own children or cannibalized just like a, a random kid in the kingdom of arcadia i think is what it was called yes and Zeus, as soon as he realized what the dish was, freaked out and turned King Lycan and his sons into wolves, which is where you get the word lycanthropy. Mm-hmm. Lycanthropy. Which I never knew that until we did this study. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I just, you know, you hear these things and you watch movies, all kinds of like werewolf movies, like the Underworld series. Like, that's like where I first heard the word like lycan. And I was like, huh, I wonder, I wonder what that means. And here I am years later discovering it. So that's kind of cool. And you're uh, enjoying and liking this episode. I'm loving this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, another place werewolves also emerged is in Nordic folklore, which I thought was kind of interesting. The saga of the, <laughs> the Volsungs. I thought I was going to say it wrong. The Volsungs tell the story of a father and a son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. The father-son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, and went on a killing rampage in the forest. Their rampage ended with the father when the father attacked his son, causing a lethal wound. The son only survived because a kind raven gave the father a leaf with healing powers, which they question is a gift from Odin, considering he's the guy with ravens, the raven god. And so that's... A thing in Nordic folklore where it's like that's a that's where, you know, another place where werewolves could have come from. People literally changing at for, at their own will, well, not their own will, but they put it on themselves. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, this is a very similar thing to what we talked about. I found this as well. This is a very similar theme to the Scottish selkies, where if you put it on, or you can take off the, you know, what I'm talking about. It's oh, very you're similar about how the, the skin. Right? Yeah. The selkie skin? Yeah. Traditionally, this is what it also says. There were ways to, for a person to become a werewolf. This is kind of going back on all those stories. Um, in her book, Giants, Monsters, and Dragons, folklorist Carol Rose, she notes that in ancient Greece, it was believed that a person could be transformed into a werewolf by eating the meat of a wolf that had been mixed with a part of a human and that the condition was irreversible. So if you had. You are what you eat. <laughs> literally. That is. Literally what that's saying. Yeah. Centuries later, another method was said to create werewolves, including being cursed, obviously, or by being conceived under a new moon. So, you know, your parents, you know, get under a new moon or being or having eaten certain herbs by falling asleep under a full moon on a Friday by drinking water that. Oh, oh shoot. It just disappeared on me. Sorry. By drinking water that had recently been uh, drank by wolves, which that's the one that kind of confused me too. It was also widely believed that werewolves could dress in a special protective wolf skin through which they had 
to remove it at day and hide it. If their magical pelt was found and taken from them, their werewolf in human form would then die. So you could take off your wolf skin, hide it, and then if it was found though and destroyed, you would die. And that relates to the Selkie idea. And we talked about mm. that where you can change into human form. And if they find the skin and hide it, they're like bound to you forever. But if they ever find it again, they'll leave you. Hmm. Okay. So it even says that. Interesting. Yeah, it draws a correct total correlation between the two in the actual document. You know what it actually reminded me of just now? Um, skinwalkers. Yeah. You know how they wear animal skins and they can turn into that animal? Mm-hmm. At least that's one of the stories of skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, akin to that, I would say berserkers. You know, Celtic berserkers. I do not think of that at all. Please explain that. Please well, yeah, explain Well, no, that. they would they would wear animal skins into battle, and they would be in, like, a wild frenzy. And, you know, they'd have, like, the wolf pelts on their head. And they would be hopped up on some pretty, pretty intense drugs. And that drug is, like, from some sort of bush. And that, that drug is actually in a lot of... Um, like Nordic ale nowadays in a very dark really? form. Yeah. Huh. You know, like, like, like absinthe sort of a deal, right? Like absinthe, huh. that was super huge back in the day. I, I would not have thought that that's, that's a really wild, that's a really yeah. wild idea. And then, um, I think in the same, in the same vein there, there's like a, I mean, there's a couple different types of Irish wolves. Uh, actually Emma, uh, for those of you who don't remember, Emma in season two read the story of the house. No, not the house. It was the walls. Was it? What was it? It was a Finnish thing. It was the Finnish one, right? It was. Yeah, it was the it was, Finnish It was one. in Finland with the knocking in the walls. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it was. So she no, you're read, good. You're good. Yeah, she read that story, and she's super into the paranormal. Uh, Emma, we were talking about this today, and she actually said, well, have you looked at Irish werewolves? And I was like, no. And she's like, they're traditionally different than regular werewolves because they're actually, like, helpful. Um, so I looked at really? that a little bit. So I can, I can bring that up uh, more in depth later. But there's also the ones who uh, just – the term is to go wolfing. Yeah. In which case they just – put on the skins and then go be animals in the forest. They're basically um, ancient furries. I'm sure they'd love to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. What? So moving on from this, did you read anything about the werewolf trials in the 16th century? Uh, I don't believe I did. I did come across and I have written down several uh, cases of werewolves or people who were mistaken as werewolves throughout history. Yeah. Um, so this, this is probably one of the more interesting things that I came across when I was doing research for this episode. So we talked about witch trials, season one, episode three, wicked witches, parentheses, question mark. Um, there were werewolf trials. And I was not aware of this. It was very much a European thing, though. It wasn't like the Salem Witch Trials where it was, like, Americanized. This was very much, like, France and Germany and 
That's that's where England. most of the cases I could. Yeah, France, Germany, and England. Those are the most of the ones I could find were in those places. But uh, which which cases do you have, Noah? I have the cases of, and I have them in pretty thorough detail. Um, infamous werewolves, <laughs> the ones of uh, Pierre Bourgot, Michel Verdun, Giles Garnier, Peter Stube, and actually that's it, just those four. Okay, good. So you don't have Jacques Roulet. Those were like, I, I went through a bunch of them and I grabbed four that were like crazy to me. And so that's what I did with that. So, but yeah, go so ahead and show yours. Yeah, please. Let's, let's talk about, uh, is it Michelle or Michael? Uh, I think it's, it's I mean, it's M I C H E L. So that was like Michelle. That's what I, that's what I saw. And which one? So, huh? Oh, okay. So the, in, Poligny, Poligny, France, 1521, there was a brutal attack in the woods, and they followed the blood, and they found Michel or Michael Verdun, we're just going to call him Verdun, they found Verdun, covered in blood and naked, and he confessed that he had made a deal with several individuals cloaked in black for the protection of his uh, his his personal flock, like his sheep. One it, of which was Pierre Burgo, actually. Sorry, continue. His sheep were Pierre Burgo? No, one of, like, the people who was with him. Oh, yeah, no, he, uh... Yeah, he threw two other people under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Philibert Monteau and Pierre Burgo. And these cloaked individuals, he claimed, said that they would protect him and his flock, his sheep if he would uh, deny his belief in God. And then they gave him like an ointment that would let him and his friends turn into wolves. Yep. And they murdered a lot of kids and then they were burned at the stake. Which, yes. Before the whole silver bullet thing or, you know, anything like that, that was like a foolproof method to, to get rid of a werewolf, which yeah, who knew burning somebody to death would kill them. Literally, what I was about to say, I was about to say, we come back to this so many times. There are so many like dumb, I don't want to say dumb, but like really simple methods of like getting rid of something, and it comes back to it being like, yeah, but what wouldn't that kill? <laughs> burning exactly. at the stake, drowning, massively crushed by boulders, and like that. There's not many things that could survive that, but you know. If that's what works, that's what works. I guess so. Got to kill them. Kill. I was about to say kill them furries. Kill them werewolves. <laughs> I mean, you said it anyway. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, did you read the story of Jacques Roulet, the werewolf I did of Cod? Oh my god! I'm very this interested was, in this, though. Please tell so, me. So he was nicknamed the werewolf of Cod, and. C-A-U-D, not fish, C-O-D. So he admitted to making a deal with the devil to obtain a transformational salve. So again, with the ointment. He, for like, he went on, he went on a killing spree for like 25 years. What? And I've seen a picture of the guy. He looks pretty creepy. And he killed and cannibalized children. Like that was his thing. The werewolf of Cod, he would just kill and eat kids. What a psycho. 
And something that's really, I mean, it's not, I, I say it's funny, but it's not funny. Something that's funny uh, is that whenever you look at like historical articles about werewolves, there's always like paintings and etchings and just pieces of art of werewolves eating their babies or children. Like that's, and some of these are really scary looking. Like, wow, somebody really took the time making a werewolf eat a baby. Like that's the name of the painting is werewolf eats a baby and <laughs> werewolf eats got a child. <laughs> no, it's like, and it's like, geez, people say that violent video games make us like violent and graphic. But back in the day they were burning people at the stake and making paintings of children <laughs> and babies good... being eaten to death. Not a phone in sight. Everyone living in the moment. There haven't been any crusades recently, as far as I know, either. Right. And then my favorite, but one of my favorite ones was Thies of Kaltenbrunn. He was nicknamed the Livonian Werewolf. Now, this guy confessed to being a werewolf, but he got off really easy. And when I say really easy, it had everything to do with the story that he told. They came to him. They're like, you're a werewolf. And he's like, yes, I am. But I go to hell three, three nights a year to fight demons. That's when I turn into a werewolf. And they're like, okay, we're just going to whip you and let you go. And he's like, fine. Um, and so <laughs> he literally, he's like, I'm a hound. Um, he's like, I'm not technically a werewolf. I'm technically a hound of God. Huh. So you know, there's like hellhounds. Yeah, no, I I get that. It's just that's a that's a that's playing your cards close to your chest. And well, that's not the first time I've heard that term. Actually, one of my favorite books or audiobooks growing up was called The Graveyard Book, and it's this about this kid who uh, gets uh, orphaned and he wanders into a graveyard and the ghosts protect him and hide him as the serial killer who just killed his family tries I have to I've read him. I've read this in like 7th grade. Yeah, and so he the ghosts literally raise a living child mm-hmm. and he has a tutor uh Mrs L- it starts with an L. But she is a hound of god. She's like a hell hound but the good kind and so yeah. That's what she is and it's really cool so i was like huh i didn't know that this was actually based in history hound of god it's like god's dogs god dog palindrome (gasps) and so he he literally got off so easy just yeah i'm a werewolf but i go fight demons three nights a year and they're like fine we're just gonna whip you and he was like cool Hmm. i mean at that point like so remind me was he like a murderer as well like no they just suspected him of being a werewolf. Well, I guess, like, he, I mean, at that point, if he's doing it, if he's taking any pages from the, I know he's probably not, but taking a page from, like, the uh, Salem Witch Trial books, if you just confess to being a witch, they let you live. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you a werewolf? No. Kill him to find out. Are you a werewolf? Yeah, you just, yeah. And I back, also, in the, back in the yeah. witch trials, you couldn't say, I'm a witch for God. Um, yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't really fly. Are you a werewolf? Yeah, but I eat demons. So... You're welcome. Have you seen demons in the village? No. You're welcome. I got you guys. <laughs> That's how I'd be saying it. That's awesome. 
Uh, do you have any more famous werewolves? I have one more. So I've got one. I've got two, actually. So one's okay, called... Good. This is a kind of a small one, but kind of interesting. It's the Giles Garner one. Uh, known as the Werewolf of Dole, D-O-L-E. Was He's another 16th century were, uh, Frenchman werewolf who uh, was claimed to feign was another similar situation in an ointment that he would cover his whole body with it. Every inch of exposed skin, apparently. Every, every inch of exposed skin. Every inch of skin on his body had to be coated in this ointment. Or like else the it, peanut butter baby. Uh, eh. Yeah. Because it said that if he didn't, that part of him would still remain human, I guess. Oh, so it's like Achilles? Yeah, so he had to cover himself, literally. Yeah. And then, you know, the transformation wouldn't be nearly as powerful. Uh, according to legend, he killed over 50 children, ate them, and he was also burned at the stake, rightfully so. Um, the big one I have is called the Bedberg Werewolf. Uh, oh, yeah, Peter, Peter Stubba. Peter Stubba, yeah. A wealthy 15th century farmer in Bedberg, Germany. Maybe the 16th century. It said 15th on Nat Geo. Oh, I have 1589, <laughs> which would be 16th century. Huh. Well, I'm just reading what it says on Nat Geo. Uh, <laughs> but I don't doubt it. Um, he may be the most notorious werewolf of them all. According to folklore, he turned into a wolf-like creature at night and devoured many citizens of Bedburg. Peter was eventually blamed for the gruesome killings after he cornered. He was cornered by hunters who claimed they saw him shapeshift from wolf into human form. He experienced a grisly execution after confessing under torture to savagely killing animals, men, women, children, and eating their remains, as he does, of course. Uh, he also declared that he owned an enchanting belt that gave him the power to transform into a wolf at will. Kind of interesting. So instead of a salve or ointment, he had a belt. Yeah. Not surprisingly, the belt was never found, of course. Peter's guilt is controversial since some people believe he wasn't actually a killer, but the victim of a political witch hunt or perhaps a werewolf hunt. Uh, either way, though, the circumstances surrounding his death um, stoked rampant fears at the time that werewolves were on the loose. Yeah, I have I have some stuff from History Daily about Stubba. So he, I'll just read what it says. Stubba was accused of killing and eating his victims for over 25 years. So I think I might have mixed that up with the earlier guy. And he also confessed to incest with his daughter and cannibalizing his own son just to spice things up. As penance for these crimes, he was strapped to a wheel before his skin was peeled off with hot pokers, his arms and legs were broken, his head was cut off, and his body was burned. Not content with this, they then set up a wolf's body with Stubba's head attached to it in the town square as a warning to anyone else interested in becoming a werewolf. They didn't do the thing by halves, is the point. In medieval Europe, wolves were the most dangerous predator around, and they were often strung up on gibbets or gibbets next to their human counterparts. So they literally, like, taxidermied a wolf and put his head on it and put it in the town square. That is nightmare fuel right there, thinking that. That is, that is nightmare fuel, just, like, mounting it on there. Uh, something interesting that, that I found about werewolves is just, like, I always imagined... Or not imagine just from Hollywood that whole idea of the vampire biting you can turn you into a vampire or kill you, and that a bite of a werewolf can also turn you into a werewolf. And that actually, I couldn't find where it was said because all the links that I found said that that was not something that was 
as prevalent until 200 years ago, which I thought was very interesting. Like, it's not just like an American thing, but like, I mean, maybe I got that information wrong, but it, there was never like a set era of where it was like, oh, this is the day that, um, this is the day that werewolves, if you, if you get bit, you, you turn into one. That was always just kind of up for debate until, I guess, more recently in history. I don't know how recently it was, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting how we look at this as like a, oh, if you get bit by it, it's that's totally how you're going to turn into one. But that wasn't really the case for most of history. I mean, they could have been confused with rabies. That's what, oh, I, that's what I saw in a, um, that's a good in one video. Because imagine a wild, a wild dog shows up to town, bites your neighbor, and then your neighbor starts acting agitated, foams at the mouth, and then dies. Like you would think something's going on. And so, and rabies was, rabies was a problem because there wasn't like a vaccine or anything and animals got rabies. Hmm. And so humans got rabies too. And so the idea of a bite transferring some sort of negative property is actually pretty common throughout history in terms of like disease and illness. I never would have, I, I, I never even thought of that with rabies. And, cause... and the reason that they could pass through rabies is because it affects the sali- uh, salivary glands. And that's why, you know, they foam at the mouth so much. And that chemical pass is transmittable through that infected saliva. And so when they bite, that saliva is what infects the other person. Yeah, and like transfers the curse meta- metaphorically. I never would have thought of that. But yeah, like just kind of the same thing with all episodes of like ancient history. If you see a person of an animal foaming at the mouth and your gets he, your neighbor gets bit, what else are you going to think? But that they're turning into a monster. I mean, you don't have really modern technology or modern medicine or understanding back then. So, I mean, what else could they possibly think? He's a witch. Yeah, he's a witch. Burn him. Something that Bury the I, Puritan. <laughs> something that I also found that was kind of interesting about like, werewolves. And I looked this up the whole... I actually Googled this when you were talking about it. Symptoms of rabies and werewolves. And there's a ton of stuff. So, I, that's why I was like, no way. I'm not going to read all that because you touched on it. But this was kind of interesting. Uh, Dr. Lee Illis of Guy's Hospital in London wrote a paper in 1963 uh, on porphyria and the etiology of werewolves, in which he argues that historical accounts of werewolves could have, in fact, been referring to victims of congenital porphyria. Which, oh, that's the uh, Wolfman syndrome. Yeah, Wolfman syndrome. And that can result in photosensitivity. Uh, reddish teeth and psychosis all of which are very very strong characteristics of how people act when they're described to be werewolves so <clears throat> i just think that's interesting how once again there's 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 some kind of medical explanation for it but of course from all these different cultures who have never met each other comes the idea that man can turn into a wolf whether by his own decision or by some malevolent force. So I don't know. I think it's interesting that it's just, there's, there's always an explanation for it, but I don't know if I buy it because at the same time, it's like supernatural sometimes makes more sense in this case. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay, I brought up the Werewolves of Ossery earlier, and I pulled up the little background blurb for them on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. So I'll just read the short little short little blurb. Wolves, though now extinct in Ireland, were once numerous. The Irish were said to be plagued by the animals and bred a special type of dog, the Irish Wolfhound, which I think is so cool. It's like <laughs> we have a natural en- enemy. We're going to breed our own problem. We're going to breed our own solution to this enemy. And so they made the Irish Wolfhound to hunt them. And as late as 1650, Coleraine was said to have been attacked by a pack of hungry wolves. The wolf had a long-standing place in Irish culture and Irish literature throughout the medieval period associated. Oh, wait. Uh, the a wolf had a long-standing place in Irish culture and Irish literature throughout the medieval period associated warriors with wolves. They invoked a combination of ferocity, frenzied behavior, unpredictable and savage animal behavior, sexual potency, and martial prowess. Hmm. I thought it said marital prowess. That, um, I, I expected that almost. <laughs> yeah. In the Irish literary mind, wolves were particularly closely linked with the practices of the Fianna, warrior bands of landless young men who lived for much of their who lived for much of their time in the wilderness and were thought of as living in close proximity to supernatural forces. Warriors were often depicted with canine attributes and shared a common motif of a wild, disheveled, or naked appearance. They were frequently portrayed as wolves, hunting both animals and humans, and may have worn wolf skins or a lupine hairstyle as part of a ritual transformation. The wolf warriors, or Luchthon, literally wolf skins, were said to, quote-unquote, go wolfing when they carried out raids. Such associations may have given rise to Irish legends of werewolves. That's crazy. Pretty nifty, huh? That is really nifty. I have to, and they're called Irish wolfhounds. Uh, Yes, Irish wolfhounds. That's the dog they bred. I want to see what they look like. I love, I love wolfhounds. They're so, they're, they're big and they're beautiful. Oh my gosh, that is not what I expected it to look like. That looks so friendly. Yeah, it just looks like a big dog. It looks like a husky. Yeah, it, it does. I expected some kind of like monster looking thing, like a wolves a don't look wolf. that scary to begin with. Like I know, but like I think I expected like a when they're baring their teeth and coming after you, yes, but they literally just look like dogs. They like, look like big puppies, yeah. Every dog is a big puppy, but they're massive, which is yes, terrible. they are huge, uh, and they used to be even bigger. I have heard that, yeah, yeah. So that is everything I have on werewolves. Do you have anything else, Noah? No, nothing. That, that that covers more than what I had, and that's, that's awesome. There you go. All right, well then, Noah, what is your Noah's Nugget of Knowledge for today's episode? Ooh, let's go. What is the strangest sport you can think of? The one the Aztecs used to play with a severed head. Okay. That might take the cake. I was going to say, this is crazier. Uh, so you ruined my bit, but that's okay. Uh, under, underwater rugby is an international sport. Oh, neat. If you've got 11 athletic friends and, wanna, and have access to a pool, you can try underwater rugby. You'll need a basket or you'll need a ball full of salt water so it doesn't float. Uh, a pair of heavy buckets, divide the team into six, 
and pass the ball to your teammates in any direction underwater, but don't let it come out of the water because then you lose a point. Dunk it in your in, in the opposing team's bucket to score a point. Uh, so it's like it was water polo basketball. Yeah, and the buckets float like you, you you strap them down so they're floating kind of upwards. You have to go under oh, it and push it into it. Yeah, that's cool. It's, yeah, and so like I said, since it's full of salt water, it like it won't float. But if it does get to the top, which of course it can, uh, your team loses a point. And there's not much, there's not many rules of what can and can't be done in terms of physicality. So holding them down under the water. Yeah, a, a, as you would expect from from a rugby esque thing. Uh, anyway, it was invented in 1961 in Germany, and it's actually a world sport. Its governing body has members from 21 countries, including the U.S. <laughs> and other like huge countries. 21 major wow. countries. Yeah, I've never played with this. But yeah, I had to Google it after 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 I've looked it up, and it's crazy. It's like anyway, water that's, basket weaving. Yeah, that's your Noah's nugget of knowledge for the weeks, folks. Thanks for coming. Tell a friend. Thank you very much, my friend. Guys, to catch future episodes of Studies in Shadow, please follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Consider following our Studies in Shadow Facebook page, and please support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash studies in shadow. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to hear or a subject you'd like to hear about in one of our episodes, please reach out to us at sis at bardsandbrawlers.com. This has been Studies in Shadow. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and know what you fear. Fear.